Welcome back to Six Days to Sunday in the second week of Advent. We're heading this week into the third Sunday of Advent, which is also called Gaudete Sunday. Now, I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about the significance of Gaudete Sunday. First of all, what does it mean? Gaudete comes from the Latin. It means go rejoice. Now, I'm intentionally saying this in an active term, go rejoice, because it's, it doesn't really mean to rejoice or, or let's rejoice. It's a command. It's actually the imperative of the verb gaudere, which it says to rejoice. In this case, the imperative says, go rejoice, rejoice, give thanks for your blessings. And it's it really is a direction from the church. Now, it's a special Sunday because in, in, in a few regards, we see something very different here. In terms of the liturgical year, the most obvious piece is it's one of the only two Sundays of the year that we see the priests break out their rose vestments. The other one of the two is Laetare Sunday, which is uh, is a celebratory Sunday during the season of Lent. And these two Sundays are really parallel in a lot of ways. See, if we look back historically, Advent was very much a season of penance and reconciliation, much as the season of Lent was. I think over the years, my, my perception is that we've lost a bit of the bite of Advent, much in the way that Lent has with all of its uh, discipline, uh, self-denial, and, uh, and and the theme of giving something up, of sa- self-sacrifice. And certainly that wasn't you know quite the same in Advent. Now, I'm not saying that it's bad that we've lost some of that in Advent, because I think people are still looking to start the year out on the right foot. They're seeking grace as we go into the year, and certainly we're all commissioned to uh, attend confession, um, to put forth the best of ourselves, and really to look out um, for one another during the season of Advent. It's, a, it's clearly a major message, but it's far more of an outward sign and an active commission of, of mutual support as opposed to self-sacrifice in the season of Lent. So what we see in these two Sundays, though, is that each one was really a reprieve in the season. It was a time to take a breath from the self-sacrifice and the discipline and say, let's just take a minute to appreciate the blessings that we've had, that we have. Interestingly, you know, you can sometimes see in the course of the Mass the way that the, the church tries to define and, and illustrate those major themes. For instance, uh, we're going to, to hear the Gloria for the first time, or really only the second time in Advent, the first time being during the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of the Most Holy Virgin Mary. And the rest of, of Advent, you're not going to hear the Gloria. Instead, you'll have the Kyrie, and then followed straight into uh, the, um, the the liturgy of the Word um, within the Mass. So it's it's really an intentional effort to say let's let's get excited, let's be happy, let's give glory. Now, what are we going to see in the readings this week? Every single day this week, what you're going to hear is about the blessings and the gifts that God has given us, is expected to give the people of Israel or give to us, um, 
and uh, and what we can hope for in the future. But there's a, there's another side to this one, and it's really in how we define what we see as our blessings. You see, we're going to continue with that story that we began last week around John the Baptist. And of course, this isn't someone who is living in uh, significant luxury or anything, quite the opposite. He was extremely ascetic, living in austere environments where he was wearing a camel uh, clothing, which would have been extremely itchy and surviving off of uh, consuming only locusts and wild honey. This is someone who had turned self-denial and asceticism into a real art. Um, and what he was calling for was that that giving of oneself to God in return for the greater blessings beyond. And so while we hear of all these blessings, especially in the latter part of the week, you're going to get a lot of, of message around the, the responsibilities that we have both as followers of Christ and, and as God's people, um, but also, in effect, as as the responsible recipients of the gifts of God. And to understand what does it really mean for us to give of ourselves based on the blessings that we have received and will receive. So I'd encourage you, really listen not only to the commentary, that to, to the, the verses that say that uh, your gifts and your prosperity will flow like a river and that your descendants uh, will be numbered as the, the grains of sand as, and a bit of a callback to, to Genesis, but also to the expectations that come from that. So I look, look forward to, uh, to sharing a few of my reflections after the, these readings this week, which I believe really set the tone for our rejoicing as we head into this Sunday uh, and for the enthusiasm and excitement that we should have going for, through the remainder of the season of Advent, but also the preparation as we look towards the coming of our Lord. Monday, December 11th, 2023. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The desert and the parched land will exult. The steppe will rejoice and bloom. They will bloom with abundant flowers and rejoice with joyful song. The glory of Lebanon will be given to them, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the hands that are feeble, make firm the knees that are weak. Say to those whose hearts are frightened, be strong, fear not. Here is your God. He comes with vindication. With divine recompense, he comes to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened. The ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will the lame leap like a stag then the tongue of the mute will sing. Streams will burst forth in the desert and rivers in the steppe. The burning sands will become pools and the thirsty ground springs of water. The abode where the jackals lurk will be a marsh for reed and papyrus. A highway will be there called the holy way. No one unclean may pass over it, nor fools go astray on it. No lion will be there nor beast of prey go up to be met upon it. It is for those with a journey to make, and on it the redeemed will walk. Those whom the Lord Lord has ransomed will return. And enter Zion singing, crowned with everlasting joy. They will meet with joy and gladness. Sorrow and mourning will flee. The word of the Lord. 
A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. One day, as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was with him for healing. And some men brought on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They were trying to bring him in and set him in his presence. But not finding a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the tiles into the middle in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, As for you, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to ask themselves, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who but God alone can forgive sins? Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them in reply, What are you thinking in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your stretcher and go home. He stood up immediately before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Then astonishment seized them all, and they glorified God. And struck with awe, they said, We have seen incredible things today. Tuesday, December 12th, 2023. The Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. A reading from the book of the prophet Zechariah. Sing and rejoice, O daughter Zion. See, I am coming to dwell among you, says the Lord. Many nations shall join themselves to the Lord on that day, and they shall be his people, and he will dwell among you. And you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. The Lord will possess Judah as his portion in the Holy Land, and he will again choose Jerusalem. Silence, all mankind, in the presence of the Lord, for he stirs forth from his holy dwelling. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste, to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now, before we go past the readings from Tuesday, given that it's a special feast day for Our Lady of Guadalupe, it's important to look at these couple of readings in in comparison with one another. First of all, uh, if if people aren't tracking, the Zechariah reference between the two readings, the prophet versus the husband of Elizabeth, were two different people. But there's a nice parallelism in bringing Zechariah into each of those uh, readings. In the first reading from the book of the prophet Zechariah, it's important to see that this is actually happening just after 
the Jews had left the Babylonian captivity. The Persians had taken over the empire and established a level of cordiality with each of the kingdoms under their command, including Israel. And so there was this this promise and this potential rejuvenation of the kingdom of Israel pre-Babylonian exile. And so what you hear Zechariah saying is, we need to re-raise the, the kingdom of Israel. We're going to go back to the land of Judah. We're going to go back to Jerusalem. We're going to reestablish the temple. Um, and it's very much about breathing new life into that world. Now compare that with the reading from the gospel according to Luke. In fact, there were two options here. One was the Annunciation reading, which we'll hear more of over the course of of Advent, and the other is the visitation to um, Mary's cousin Elizabeth. And what's interesting is to see this this message of that this uh, that the Lord is is breathing uh, has breathed new life into the world through Mary, and that her womb itself um, is the vessel for that coming kingdom. And you'll see a lot of parallels throughout. Uh, the letters from Paul, as well as throughout the Gospels, of the importance of Mary as the new temple or as as the new Ark of the Covenant in some respects. So Zechariah calls for a new covenant. Isaiah later on calls for a new covenant. And we see that covenant revealed through Mary, through Our Lady of Guadalupe. Wednesday, December 13th, 2023. reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. To whom can you liken me as an equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. He leads out their army and numbers them, calling them all by name. By his great might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Why, O Jacob, do you say and declare, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God. Do you not know, or have you not heard? The Lord is the eternal God, creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint nor grow weary, and his knowledge is beyond scrutiny. He gives strength to the fainting. For the weak, he makes vigor abound. Though young men faint and grow weary, and youth stagger, youths stagger and fall, They that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar as with eagle's wings. They will run and not grow weary, walk and not grow faint. The word of the Lord. A reading from the gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the crowds, Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. The Gospel of the Lord. Thursday, December 14th, 2023. The Memorial of St. John of the Cross, priest and doctor of the church, someone who we'll talk a little bit more about later. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. I am the Lord your God, who grasped 
your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, I will help you. Fear not, O worm, Jacob, O maggot, Israel. I will help you, says the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. I will make of you a threshing sledge, sharp, new, and double-edged, to thresh the mountains and crush them, to make the hills like chaff. When you winnow them, the wind shall carry them off, and the storm shall scatter them. But you shall rejoice in the Lord, and glory in the Holy One of Israel. The afflicted and the needy seek water in vain. Their tongues are parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open up rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the broad valleys. I will turn the desert into marshland and the dry ground into springs of water. I will plant in the desert the cedar, acacia, myrtle, and olive. I will set in the wasteland the cypress together with the plane tree and the pine. That all may see and know, observe and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the crowds, Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been no greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent are taking it by force. All the prophets and the law prophesied up to the time of John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah, the one who is to come. Whoever has ears ought to hear. The Gospel of the Lord. Friday, December 15th, 2023. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I, the Lord your God, teach you what is for your good and lead you on the way you should go. If you were to hearken to my commandments, your prosperity would be like a river and your vindication like the waves of the sea. Your descendants would be like the sand and those born of your stock like its grains, their name never cut off or blotted out from my presence. The word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the crowds, To what shall I compare this generation? It is like children who sit in marketplaces and call to one another. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He is possessed by a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, he is a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by her works. The Gospel of the Lord. Saturday, December 16th, 2023. A reading from the book of Sirach. In those days, like a fire, there appeared the prophet Elijah, 
whose words were as a flaming furnace. Their staff of bread he shattered, in his zeal he reduced them to straits. By the Lord's word he shut up the heavens and three times brought down fire. How awesome are you, Elijah, in your wondrous deeds, whose glory is equal to yours. You were taken aloft in a whirlwind of fire, in a chariot with fiery horses. You were destined, it is written, in time to come, to put an end to wrath before the day of the Lord, to turn back the hearts of fathers towards their sons, and to reestablish the tribes of Jacob. Blessed is he who shall have seen you, and who falls asleep in your friendship. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. As they were coming down from the mountain, the disciples asked Jesus, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He said in reply, Elijah will indeed come and restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also will the Son of Man suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, so that that ending the last couple of days of the week really brought us something that was, I think, highly unexpected unless you were anticipating it coming from, from having read through it before. John the Baptist as effectively a second coming of Elijah. And now we're going to hear more about this in the Mass tomorrow on Sunday. Um, but it's, it's really quite profound. As Jesus says, listen, God has sent Elijah in new form to, to pave the way for the Son of Man. And he was accused of being in, infected by demons. That because of his asceticism, his discipline, and his self-sacrifice, that he couldn't be trusted. And he was condemned and persecuted, and people sought to, to uh, cast down his teachings, even as he was calling people to God. Ultimately, as we all know, this story doesn't end any better for John the Baptist. He was ultimately imprisoned and then beheaded. Um, it was uh, it was very much a, a condemnation of his influence and his ability to draw people to the teachings. And then, of course, the second chapter of that is his cousin, Jesus, then likewise being condemned, but as Jesus says, being condemned for very different reasons in some respects, and ultimately being cast down, persecuted, and killed as well. That all of these things effectively had to, to come to pass, but I think they provide a really profound look at the blessings that God bestows upon us, both individually and as a people. So let's look at the rest of this week, because we're, we're, as we said at the beginning, we're leading up to Gaudete Sunday, to Rejoice Sunday, where we're commanded, we're given the imperative, go rejoice. It's sort of like um, 
uh, a bit of a laugh in the past when people talk towards um, the some of the mottos in the United States that we're going in pursuit of, of happiness. You know, okay, I'm going to go and pursue happiness. I'm going to chase after it. And this is much in the way the same. I'm commanding you to rejoice in the gifts that you've been given. And I think I think those of us that are parents, um, a lot of us can appreciate that message when we say to our children, you know, be grateful for what you've got. And through the course of the week, we're reminded what it is that we have. So let's talk about what that really looks like at the, at the gifts and the blessings that we see over the course of this week. There are material or personal gifts that are referenced several times. Things like restoring sight to the blind. Uh, we heard the story at the beginning of the week of, um, of the paralyzed man who was lowered into uh, the, the home with Jesus. And not only was he commanded to stand, which he did, um, but he was uh, freed of his sins, which in many respects was an even bigger deal. And we'll get to that in a second. We see a bestowance of prosperity on entire civilizations, especially with the comments from Zechariah uh, earlier this week, um, where we, we, we hear uh, Zechariah saying that Jerusalem will be restored that prosperity will flow like a river, that the, the riches will be like lakes, and that the descendants will be like the sand. And it's, an, it's a really interesting parallel then that I want to cast back to Genesis in this case, because this isn't the first time that we've heard that sort of comparison. I think it's an important one as we try to understand what's going on as we head into Gaudete Sunday. In this case, this bestowance of... Um, blessings and gifts upon on a, upon a people is very much parallel to um, the covenant that Abraham formed in the very beginning. You'll recall that Abraham was willing to sacrifice his own son. He was willing to uh, to be kind to any strangers who were traveling through, and was consistently looking to God as the center of his life. And what did God say to him? He said, I'm going to bestow on you descendants that are as numerous as the stars or as numerous as the grains of sand on, on the beach. And we hear that again here. So I think, I think we have to consider that as a call for a new covenant in effect. And ultimately, of course, we know the new covenant comes in the form of, of Jesus Christ. So there's that, that second kind of communal or civilizational blessing that we hear. There's a gift, gift in the, the, the blessing of knowledge and of prophecy. I mean, I think we forget sometimes as we're reading through the book of Isaiah, that is, it is indeed the book of the prophet Isaiah, that he is anticipating a forthcoming future. Now, scholars have argued whether or not that future may have come and gone since then, but very few really argue about the fact that Isaiah was looking into the future at that point in time and calling again upon this generation of a second covenant, of a new covenant uh, that would last for the remainder of time. And with it, a kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, that would never, never be toppled, as we talked about in some of the prior weeks. And then, then there is 
the truly metaphysical series of blessings. And I I'll cast back to that, that point in the gospel with the man who was cured of his paralysis, but also of his sin. And I want to, I want to take, carry that piece on, about the sin forward because there's, there's also the, the reading very famous and well-recognized that if you take upon the yoke of Jesus, that uh, it is light and free of burden. And the paradox there that you're going to take on a yoke. I mean, think, think about what a yoke is. This is effectively a, um, a, a piece of wood laying across the shoulders of, of an ox or, or some other beast of burden in order to pull something along. There's nothing that is easy or, or lacking burden in carrying a yoke. But Jesus says, if you carry my yoke, then it'll be free of burden. And this really comes into the recognition of something that goes well beyond this world. And for looking at that, I actually want to point back to uh, earlier this week. We see on Thursday, the Memorial St. John of the Cross, priest and doctor of the church. St. John of the Cross was a poet, um, but he was also a very um, prolific writer of prose and of, of theology. And St. John of the Cross basically said that with a focus on discipline, abandonment, and purification, one can uh, find the gifts and achieve an ecstasy through agony. And I think this is what we're really getting at with this idea of granting a gift if you take upon that yoke. If we look towards the things we're asked to sacrifice, whether it be for another person, for our faith, whether it be time, money, um, certainly the employment of our talents, um, then the gifts that we may be given through that self-abandonment well surpass the any of the, the temporary and um, material pains that we might endure. So this is what Jesus is really getting at. If you see the future, if you recognize that I'm here to give you a gift that goes beyond anything of this world, then it's really not much to give up the things of this world. Now, I, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm not great at personally giving up things of this world. I, I try to look for opportunities of charity and things like that, but I, I'm not living in destitution. And we can all do better in, in respect to these things. But I think the real key here is to recognize that the rewards and the blessings and the gifts that ultimately are, are promised to us are not the ones of this world. And while being restored our ability to walk or our sight um, or our ability to speak are certainly tremendous things that it's really the preparation through building the sinless heart and appreciating the grace that's been given to us that's the real gift. And I've got to tell you, right now I'm, I'm actually suffering from knee surgery this week. And I, I can immediately sympathize with 
the people who were going to Jesus saying, can you heal me? Because it, it certainly can drain you a lot when you're, when you're feeling that pain on a day-to-day basis. But the fact that he offered the gift of forgiveness along with those things is really special. The last thing I wanted to point to is, is another context, a couple contextual pieces. The first is something that probably would have surprised people when, when they, they heard this. This was in the, the reading on Thursday in the, the, uh, the reading from a, the prophet Isaiah. When Isaiah calls Jacob a worm and calls Israel a maggot, I mean, that's, that's certainly not, um, you know, a kind way of thinking about the peoples of, of the Lord. So it, it begged for me to go and maybe d- dig a little bit deeper. First of all, maggots and worms are about as humble and meek as you can imagine. And so equating these, these civilizations to the lowliest I think goes in line with what we were hearing later on in the gospel, which was place yourself as meek and humble and to borrow words from another part of the gospel, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. But this goes a little bit deeper. And I think, I think in combination with the imagery of the yoke, it becomes really, really powerful. You see the word that's used for worm in this case, in Jacob, is actually the word tola. And tola was a very particular kind of worm. In fact, the word tola uh, comes up repeatedly throughout the both the Old and the New Testament, but not just in the use of as the word worm. Tola also refers to the color scarlet. And in particular, it's the, the color of scarlet that was used to dye the veil of veils over the whole, uh, holiest of holies. Now, why is this worm associated with scarlet? Well, you had this worm that the females, when they were prepared to, to lay eggs, would crawl up a tree and they would actually attach themselves to the tree and begin to lay the eggs. And they would never disattach. That was the end of their life. That was a, that was, they were sacrificing themselves. And so immediately this imagery starts coming to mind of someone who is willingly sacrificing themselves on a tree. You can see where this metaphor is going. In order to give the riches, the spiritual riches of the things to come. In physical terms, people would go scrape the worms off of the tree, crush them, and they would that's how they would derive this dark scarlet red, and they would then dye the cloth with with the, the dye from that. In the case of Christ, of course, he sacrifices himself on this tree, and the blood, the, the, the dye, so to speak, actually tears the veil of veils in half. It tears it asunder and establishes a new spirituality and a new holy of holies in many respects. Now we take this with the yoke. I mean, a yoke in many respects is just a cross piece. Once again, it's it's bearing 
that cross, it's placing that sense of self-sacrifice and commitment and duty on someone's shoulders so that they may be able to produce something that's far more beautiful than they themselves on their own may be. And that takes me to, to one last point. And it's as we go into Gaudete Sunday and we hear of all these gifts. I mean, effectively, the entire last week we've been hearing about gift after gift after gift from God um, through the Holy Spirit. And the part we oftentimes lose track of in the course of this is the person receiving the gifts, the responsibilities of the recipient. So looking at it from two civilizational, sociological perspectives. In the case of ancient Rome, the relationship of the gift giver and the recipient was extremely important, and there were responsibilities on both sides. It's this host-guest relationship. You, If you were a host, if you had a home, you were almost expected to open your home to other people, and that you would lavish gifts upon the people that came into your home. Well, likewise, vice versa, the, the, the people visiting the home were expected to be uh, proper. They were, were not going to be to denigrate the people in the home. They were going to be grateful. It was all of this, this stuff that you would sort of take for granted, but they took, took it really seriously. And we see the exact same thing in Jewish culture, actually all the way back to Abraham, that Abraham... Uh, as a host, would keep the four flaps of of his tent open so it would be easy for guests to come in. But at the same time, there was an expectation that the guests, the recipients, demonstrate a level of gratitude and not take for granted the gifts that they were given. That, in fact, in Jewish culture, they weren't supposed to overstay their night, the number of nights they were there, by more than like three days. That the first day they would sacrifice a calf. The second day, it would be a lamb. The third day, a pheasant. And the fourth day, they would get nothing but beans. It was basically to say, you know, hit the road. Um, throughout that, there were a number of conventions that the, the guest, the recipient of the gifts, would have to abide. For instance, unless they were absolutely told go and eat everything on your plate. They were expected to leave food on the plate so that they wouldn't give the impression that they weren't sufficiently fed. They absolutely had to complement everything about the, the host. Now I want to take it to these gifts, to the self-sacrifice, and to, to everything that we've been given and shown we were given over the course of the readings this week. If nothing else we should be reminded that we need to have the gratitude for the gifts. We ourselves need to provide that self-sacrifice, that, that commitment to God in, in great gratitude and in rejoicing the things that he's given us. But we also need to be good recipients and good, good guests. And so as we go into Gaudete Sunday, We've heard of all these gifts. It's our time to rejoice. It's our time to be grateful and satisfied that we've been given all well beyond what we deserve. And much as a, 
as a, a parent with with a child expecting that just a little bit of gratification gratitude is, is, is demonstrated for all that the parent has provided. So too does God expect of us that we can be thankful, grateful, and rejoice in everything that he's offered. So let's all rejoice, go forth, be thankful and celebrate Gaudete Sunday in the spirit that's intended to be. Thanks be to God.